Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria. Thank you for joining me here on this uh, episode 99 of the Fifth Estate podcast. Uh, It's been a bit of a while since I've recorded one. And to be honest, um, been a little bit distracted. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute, and a little bit disheartened. Uh, so I thought I'd start the show off with a bit of a conversation about that. Now, you know, like everyone else, I, at the moment I have a day job um, that I do that that keeps a roof over my head, pays my bills, and all that sort of stuff. And looking for a way to fund this podcast. Now, to be clear, this isn't a cash grab or anything like that. I'm not going to turn around and beg you for money and everything like that. No, I'm, I'm still not sure of the right way to do it. Uh, I was going to offer advertising uh, when you know it, it gets a little bit bigger and, and affiliate marketing and, and all that sort of stuff on the website and maybe a couple of affiliate ads uh, and, and all that sort of stuff through the, through the podcast. Decide against that because obviously then that means that uh, I'm beholden to what the advertisers say uh, on what they think of things. So, you know, if, if I talk about something or I uh, go down a path that's a little bit controversial, then the advertisers or even the affiliate marketing uh, people may pull their money and, you know, there's that source of income going. So listening to... Um, what is it? The No Agenda podcast. Um, really liking the value for value uh, way of, of funding it and that's sort of what I'm going to do. I'm not going to push a membership side or anything like that, though that is available once I get my finger out my backside and get that set up. Uh, so it was going to be, you know, if, if you find the podcast has value then and, you know, you're able to chap in a couple of dollars or, or whatever it is, uh, you've got the option of, you know, whatever you want with that. And I thought that was, you know, a, a good way of doing it. And, you know, I have been listening to them a lot more lately, though I think it was early this week or late last week, uh, they send their email out saying, hey, the show's coming up, um, there's a, a link in there for funding uh, and all that sort of stuff. And then a couple of days, uh, about a day later, an email came out from them that they said uh, they were disappointed with the the amount of money that they got um, because I think only four people contributed to it. Uh, do I have that here? Here we go. When, you, when was that? Fifth uh, of March. So, uh, and it said, you know, um, so the email produces. So this is what they caught. Anyone who contributes uh, to the future podcast is called a producer and you get to put it on your resume, blah, 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 blah. So that's neither here here nor there for me. Uh, Not sure where the choke point is, but after mailing out today's newsletter, over five hours later, only three mega donations came in, all very small. This is incredibly unusual. What happened? It seems like a normal Saturday too. Hoping for a late surge, but this is not right. More opted out from the newsletter. Five. John, 
Uh, so here is the newsletter online if you never got it. Now, I read that and honestly, I'm, I'm a bit a bit put out by that because I was of the view that uh, this was, you know, something that these guys did, uh, you know, they they provide value and then, it, you know, it comes back to them. But, you know, to have it blatant that they're after money, it, it, it sort of disillusioned me from, from the whole lot. Now, uh, you know, that's me um, and all that sort of stuff. And having been involved in a lot of stuff with the vegan community for a number of years, there was a whole lot of scams going on through that where, you know, all these... Um, uh, activists would say, you know, come and donate to me because I can do the activism that you can't and I can, you know, my reach is so much better and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the the uh, Insta-famous vegans were funding their lifestyle by seeking donations and support from other vegans who, you know, they, they sort of guilted them into it. Now, not saying that uh, Curry and Dvorak are doing this, uh, sorry, doing that, though this email is a bit concerning for me. Uh, you know, we know times are getting tight, uh, you know, especially in the US, tough, times are getting tough, uh, finances are getting tight, etc., etc. So for them to come out so quick and say, hey, you know, disappointing, we haven't got enough money or we haven't got the money that we expected, yeah, leaves a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. So that sort of, uh, you know, caused me to have, you know, uh, some concerns about uh, what's going on with that and what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So I haven't uh, completely 86 them yet, um, still listening to the podcast, though you know, everything that they do has taken on a bit of a different turn and I'm a little bit more sceptical of uh, what they write uh, and, and what they talk about. So, yeah, as I said, that caused me a, a, a little bit of a disheartenment um, for that. So, you know, I'm not saying I want to make millions of, of this podcast, um, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to get to the point where uh, that... You know, I am able to devote more time to them. Obviously, uh, the more time that I've got uh, to devote to it, then the better the show is, etc., etc. Um, though, by the same coin, uh, I do understand times are getting tough for everyone. Uh, looking at my shopping bill every week, it's just like, geez, man, there's going to come a point in time where, uh, you know, it's it's going to be one of those things is what what gets cut next and, you know, things that you aren't vital to your um, to your living standards or, or you, you, to you being able to live are the things that are going to get cut. Um, so obviously, you know, your streaming services, your subscription to uh, pointless online newspapers, um, looking at Youth, the Age and the Herald Sun and even the Australian – uh, for that, so you know they're going to come next, and then you know it, it's the thing is if you're giving a couple of bucks a month to a podcast, you think, oh, yeah, I like what he says, but you know what, 
that couple of bucks a month can, uh, you know, 10 bucks a month can do this or, or could buy a loaf of bread or a litre of milk or whatever the price is going to be, uh, you know, come in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's the thing is that yeah, it, it's put me in that little bit of a, what do I do? But anyway, I'm still going to plot ahead Um going to continue uh, with doing this um, in on the value-to-value thing. As I said, there will be memberships here. I'm not going to plug any of it. Uh, we'll talk about the value-for-value value maybe at the end of it. You know what, if, if you can afford it and all that sort of stuff, go for it. If you can't, don't. If you think this podcast is crap, don't support it. Whatever. Whatever. Choice is up to you. I'm not going to have any um, meltdowns or send out any emails saying, oh, I haven't got enough money. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with that one. So and plus, you know, the other thing I need to do is uh, and get the website up and running and get that sorted too. So that's another thing. Now, the other thing I said, uh, I was distracted. Now, uh, as most of you may know, uh, I've got a uh, two matters now before VCAT uh, where I – uh, send off an application for compensation under Section 204 of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act in Victoria. So that was for a uh, decision made by the Chief Health Officer that I think that they have uh, that the Chief Health Officer officer or authorised officer has insufficient grounds for making that decision. Now, uh, the first one relates to the work from home and the face covering wearing decisions the second one relates to the uh, jab mandates now they're both before vcat uh at the moment now eventually the department of health as i mentioned uh, in an earlier episode the department of health has put down uh, an application section 75 application under the vcat act of victorian civil and administrative tribunal act for the application or my application to be dismissed on the grounds that it's uh, vexatious, not likely to succeed, and, and all that sort of usual stuff. Now they've sent their corroborating material off, and I've got um, you know I had a month to respond. Uh, I've got a couple of days left now. It, it, it I've been distracted reading through their decision, reading through other decisions, reading through other things uh, to try and you know. Give the or, or convincing tribunal that hey, there there is, um, you know, possible grounds for success for my applications, um, and, and all that sort of stuff, and that is just not a pointless cause. Now, what the department is or the respondent is claiming is that my matter is similar to uh, two other matters, which is uh, Truman's eight fifteen Truman's and Wentworth. Now there. As I said, I think I've said in a previous episode that they relate to a third party that was impacted by the, a decision. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, uh, I'm the first or one of the only ones that is in, uh, relates to an individual impacted by a decision. So I think that the uh, grounds are a little bit different. Now, the, the respondent being the Department of Health is saying that the threshold question has already been answered and that is, uh, does the Chief Health Officer have sufficient grounds for the issuing of the directions? Now, the tribunal in uh, the two matters has found that the uh, Chief Health Officer did. Now, the view of the tribunal based on a Supreme Court decision is that uh, all the tribunal needs to do is find one ground 
to be sufficient and then that's game over. Uh, I'm going to slightly disagree with that. Uh, whether it is possible or not, I'll need to um, continue reading the Supreme Court decision to see if there is leeway in that because I can't, I can't, you know, form the view that if there is one ground for yes, hey, the decision is uh, um, um, suitable or um, satisfactory. That you know, if there's one little part of it is yes, that's a, you know that's a go that meets the, the threshold. But then there's like five other reasons why it's unsatisfactory. Uh, sorry, insufficient grounds. Uh, then I can't believe, or I can't form the view that the Supreme Court would say, "Hey, yes, that little one sufficient grounds far outweighs the, for argument's sake, fifteen grounds where it's insufficient for the um, person, you know, chief authorized officer to make the decision." Uh, that will be something that will need to be tested in the tribunal and then potentially uh, in the Supreme Court itself. Uh, so we'll wait and see how we go with that one. Now, it, it's been distracting uh, reading that and I will admit I've been getting very angry um, for the the con job that we've been put over for the last two years and... I will say that my view is changing a little bit. Um, I was of the view that uh, these people should be put in a perspex box in Fed Square uh, and that's where they live out the term of their natural life so we can use that as a, um, for want of a better term, living memento or memorial or reminder of why we should never do this again. Um, I'm past that now. Uh, and I think that uh, that would be too good for them. Uh, these people have knowingly lied. They've misled the community and they have, um, you know, caused the deaths either directly or indirectly of an untold number of Victorians. And for that, uh, I think that uh, justice should be swift and it should be uh, measured and deliberate. Um, you take with that as you want, uh, but it's the thing is that these people have lied to us. These people are still lying to us. These people have used their arrogance. These people have used their power with the media to suppress um countering views these people are arrogant enough to think it is only their view that is sufficient they will not consider anything else that does not fit their narrative so for that i think a message needs to be sent to current and future generations that hey we cannot let this happen again um what point is it going to be? Um, I don't know. That is up for if we can find an impartial jury uh, for that one, though I do not believe that they should be able to be functioning members of society. I believe that they should be incarcerated for the rest of their natural life and um, a perspex box in Fed Square is too good for them. Um, the... The arrogance of these people uh, to decide what they're doing and and everything like that, and I'm not going to give too too much away, too much more away. And you know what, this podcast is probably going to be coming to be used against me. But hey, 
you know what, this is my opinion. I'm allowed to share my opinion with people. Uh, when it comes to the tribunal, it will be a, dis- um, a decision based on the facts that are presented at the time. Yes, I will be able to share my opinion on particular points uh, and all that sort of stuff. But it's the thing is that these people need to be held accountable. And, um, you know, Slugger himself needs to be held accountable for getting up and and ridiculing people saying that they're taking horse pace when he knew damn well that people were not asking to take horse pace. And even that point is that the um, COVID commander, Jerome Weimar or whatever the hell his name is, needs to be held accountable for the bullshit that he spread about children falling over sick and throwing up in parks, which is why the parks needed to be justified to be closed. Uh, you know, that needs to be held accountable for. They need to be held accountable for that. And they can't just turn around and say, oh, that's what I was told. Well, no. You know what? You need to own up. You need to accept that, hey, you you know, you didn't just make this mistake. You effed up big time. And, you know, what? Um, contrition? Contrition. What remorse? None of them are showing any remorse for the decisions that they've made. Uh, no matter how good, bad, or otherwise, and they're just gloating about, oh, yes, we saved this and we saved this. And, you know, this is the thing. Oh, we saved all these lives. No, there is nothing you can do to save a human life because we are mortal beings. We, 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 will, we were born and we will die. There is nothing you can do to save it. All you can do is prolong the moment of death or push back the moment of death. Yes, you know, because it's not the thing. So is it, oh, we saved someone's life by, you know, putting the jab mandate in, okay? That's fine. Does that life go on forever? No, it doesn't because it's going to end some other time. So did you save it or did you not? You just prolonged the moment of death because, like, think about it this way. I have $10 in my pocket. I want to save it. I put it in my money box. It stays there till I decide to spend it. If I never spend it, that $10 has been saved for all eternity. So that's the thing. Whereas the human life, you could, okay, let's say we force the people to get the Wu flu jabs, uh, or sorry, the, the, the series of therapeutics or injections or whatever you want to call it, and they survive that, but then they're unfortunately involved in a motor vehicle accident and they pass away. Well, what did you do? You didn't save their life because they died in a motor vehicle accident. But you just said you saved lives. So, you know, this is the stuff that, that these people need to be held accountable for, for the language that they've used. And there needs to be uh, some sort of awakening from people that, hey, you know, we cannot allow this to continue. We cannot allow this to ever, ever happen again. We made that promise to society and to the future world once uh, with the Nuremberg trials. It'll never happen again, yet that's been totally ignored. Uh, I think Nuremberg 2 is going to be a low, you know, that's, that's putting your faith in something that's never going to happen uh, because, first of all, you're never going to be able to find um, anyone that is competent enough to be able to try it. You're never going to be able to find someone competent enough to actually detain these people to bring them before the, you know, whatever this administrative body is or this trial body is. And then you're never going to find anyone that's willing to follow out, uh, follow, follow through, um, carry out 
the, the whatever the, the uh, judgment is that is passed after these Nuremberg 2.0 trials. So I, I think that is uh, you're, you're pushing it up a hill. You're you're you know leading yourself to uh, to to put your faith in something that is never going to happen. Uh, so I think we need to get past that. Now, um, while in the mood for getting uppity and and having a bit of a soapbox rant. Uh, there's been a couple of daily rags that have been uh, pushing the whole thing of the fear-mongering of war with China. Uh, I don't doubt that is happening. Uh, I don't doubt that is going to come. Um, I'm more concerned now about a global war with uh, Russia and then once China joins in for that one. Now, uh, you know, all these uh Supposed independent papers are putting out saying, "Oh, these people are wrong for you know for waving the red flag about the war with China." Yet they say nothing about the bullshit that's going on in Ukraine, and they're all supporting with Ukraine. They've got Ukraine flag in their bios and all that sort of stuff. Um, and this is the thing: I'm not going to be joining. I'm not going to be you know following conscription to to go and fight in any politician's battle. Um, I'm not going to be allowing my son to go and fight in any war. Um, I will do whatever I can to prevent that. Uh, and this is the thing. If these people are so intent uh, in scaremongering us that we need to go to war, and, you know, there, there's, uh, what is it, Daily Mail uh, craps on saying, hey, uh, the AUKUS deal, which is Australian, Australia, UK and US, uh, is going to cost $200 billion, uh, submarine deal, so that is uh, costing the average payer about 13000 I think it works out to be 13370 uh, And that's based on the $14.9 million, um, million people who paid tax in 2009-2020 uh, financial year. Why? Why do we need subs? Seriously. Oh, but we need to protect our waterways. Well, no, we don't. Let's, oh, well, what about shipping? How many, how many Australian registered ships are there? Like for that, and you know, it, it's the other thing too is that so the the um the oceans become something where we can't um uh you know send our goods out or, or get our imports on it. Well, no, let's maybe it's time that we actually started becoming self sufficient instead of relying on so much crap to come from overseas. You know, get rid of the subs, spend that. Two hundred billion dollars improving uh, local manufacturing. Improve that. To, spend that two hundred billion dollars arming the population. So no country would ever consider invading us. No country would ever consider, you know, attacking any of our merchant vessels. Uh, spend that two hundred billion dollars, you know, I- improving everything in this country. Spend that two hundred billion dollars getting rid of this ESG and diversity, equity, inclusion bullshit. That we're seeing everywhere. Um, you know, spend that two hundred billion dollars, whatever. But we don't need to spend it on freaking submarines. Um, now, this is the thing about okay. Is there going to be a war with China? I think yes, but then again, it's concerning because if there is a war with China, because China decides to annex Taiwan, now they'd have to do that. Once they've got a market already sewn up, because think about it, China is our biggest trading partner. Now, they annexed Taiwan 
and the Yanks turn around and say, no, you can't do that. We're going to defend Taiwan. So then the Yanks go in, so then that cuts the exports of Chinese goods to to the US and then the US drag us in because of the ANZUS Treaty or the AUKUS Treaty or whatever treaty that they want to drag us in. So then we can't buy Chinese goods um, because of that because we're, you know, providing financial support to the enemy. So then, uh, you know, their supply of coal, their supply of whatever Australian goods dries up. Um, we also of, of the point, the position where, uh, you know, we don't have the money coming in. So what's the result there? Do we print it or do we find other markets? Um, if I was the for, uh, forward-thinking Australian government, I would be looking at other markets and removing China from number one position as our biggest trading partner. Um, I would be focusing more on the domestic market, improve the domestic market. Uh, and then you won't have to worry about it. Um, but, you know, this is the thing. Politicians don't care about the domestic market. All they care about is the balance of payments. Uh, so then if they, can, you know, have if they import, you know, X billion dollars, then, hey, if they can export X billion plus one, then, hey, that's good uh, for that one. So that's all they really care about um, for that. So... You know, we need to find other markets. We sell the stuff ourselves. Now, the other point of that is, let's say for a moment that, and I've mentioned this before, is let's say for a moment uh, China does annex Taiwan. Uh, the US knocks on the door of, of, you know, comes to the doorstep of, of back, jumps in the backyard of Taiwan and says, no, we'll help you and pushes back and then Australia gets, you know, brought into it. What's going to happen to all these Chinese assets? They're out of here. There will be Chinese troops out here within a heartbeat, if, if they're not already now as sleepers. Uh, so they will be out there, they will be activated and their sole purpose will be to protect Chinese assets. I mean, how many Chinese-owned farms are there? Uh, we know that Gemini is um, part Chinese-owned. Uh, the motorways are, or the construction, I think Leighton's is part Chinese-owned um, for that one. So there will be Chinese troops out in Australia to protect Chinese assets and then from there, who knows what? Uh, so that's the thing. And the other thing as well is that, you know, the rest of the world is fully aware from the time China annexes Taiwan, it'll be less than a decade and Australia or New Zealand will fall as well. So that's the thing. Are they prepared for that? Are we prepared for that? You know, are we prepared because, you know, they will, uh, they've got Taiwan, so they will get that um, particular oceanic area um they can cut us off from the rest of the world uh so how long will it take for new zealand to fall uh, new zealand will be an easier one to probably push over because it won't take much to blockade that um we've seen you know when she was in power adern was uh, sucking up to china um i can imagine her uh replacement uh will be the same because no one wants to upset china uh, so, you know, I think they'll capitulate without even a shot being fired, uh, just a couple of warships land in Auckland and we'll say, yep, that's it, um, up goes the, the Chinese flag and then, you know, our closest neighbour is also part of China. So then what hope does that have for us um, for that one? So, you know, this is the thing. Um, we need to be taking steps now to dissuade China from doing anything like that. And, 
You know, this could be as much as going getting a shooter's license. Go and join a pistol uh, – sorry, pistol club. That's that's a pain in the ass to do that, so I wouldn't recommend that. Go and join a target shooting club. Um, go and join a clay pigeon club. You know, shoot some little clay discs out of the air. Go and join the uh, whatever target shooting club is um, and just do that and then own a firearm or two and then – uh, you know, when this information gets out that, uh, you know, they may think twice about coming in and, and sending foreign troops to our land because, hey, there's so many firearms in civilian ownership and that if it, something were to happen, but then obviously uh, we stand the risk or run the risk of, uh, you know, a false flag event being put out there by the government uh, because they know an invasion's coming, so they want to take all the firearms out of civilian ownership. So then they'll create a false flag. And, oh, no, we've got to take all these down because you people can't be trusted with these bang-bang sticks. So we need to take them off and whereas we're the only ones with the bang-bang sticks and, and you know, we will uh, we'll pretend to protect you, but we really don't give a shit about you, so we'll just protect ourselves and, and you know, the, the, those who are in Canberra and those who are in Spring Street will just listen to them uh, for that one. So... This is the thing. What do we do from there? Well, hey, that's a podcast for another day. Now, of those things, now people will jump up and down. Oh, but why do you want guns? Well, this is the thing. Um, I'm all for civilian firearm ownership for the mere for the for the single reason that I should be able to have the right to defend myself. Yes. Okay. Does anyone disagree with that? Does Anyone out there disagree with that I should have the right to defend myself? Yes? No? Well, okay. Let's say you do yes. Now, should I have? Should I not also, as part of that right to defend myself, have the ability to use whatever force is necessary to stop the threat? Yes or no? Oh, no, you can't use lethal force. You can only use less, less than lethal force. So we'll give you a taser. Okay, that's fine. Taser, what good is a taser going to do against um, someone who has a firearm or someone who comes out with a knife? You're screwed. Admittedly, unless your firearm is drawn, you're screwed if someone comes out with you with a knife um, closer than, I think it's five metres, because they can cover that amount of gap distance uh, before you've even drawn your weapon, uh, you know, to to defend yourself. So... um, you know, that, that whole thing is, oh, since I brought a knife to a gunfight. Well, it depends on how close you are uh, for that one. So anyway, should I not be able to do that? Well, yes, I should. If, if they're bringing a weapon to potentially end my life, should I not be able to use equal uh, the equal amount of force to defend my life? Yes or no? Well, if you agree with that, well, then you have to agree with firearm ownership because... You don't know what that person's going to have and you can't turn around and say, oh, but hang on, I only brought my taser and he's come at me with a firearm. Well, you know, bad luck. You should have just gone out with a firearm to start off with. Uh, So, and then the other thing of that is that those bad guys with the firearms are less likely to use a firearm on an individual, especially if they think, oh, that person might have one back. And, and, you know, have one as well and then, you know, shoot back at me and then I might potentially lose my life. So, you know, this is the thing. I need I think we need to get past the bullshit of um, there being, you know, wild, wild west and outlaws and, and, you know, guns everywhere and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you have a look at society now. There are still guns everywhere and licensed 
law-abiding firearms owners have to keep them fucking locked up in it. Oh, I did want to get away without dropping the F-bomb, but anyway, uh, expletive, this is going to be an explicit podcast, this one. Um, so, you know, law-abiding firearms owners have to have them in a safe and they have to have the ammunition in a locked repository separate from the firearm. So if someone comes through your bedroom window late at night wanting to do harm to you, you've got no way of protecting yourself. Oh, but I can call the police, they'll come. Well, by their own admission, they don't turn up to things within the time frame. So what's going to happen is you call triple zero saying, hey, someone's broken in and they said they're going to do something. That's if you get a chance to do it before they, you know, before you're incapacitated. Uh, so, you know, this is the thing is that, yep, we need to turn around and say, yep, we need to be able to use lethal force. We need to be able to freely access lethal force, whether it's just in the home or whether it's in your car or whatever. Well, then, so be it. Let's just start with home for a start. Um, you know, uh, the human rights and responsibilities says something about protecting the family. How can we do that if we can't have we can't use lethal force? How can we protect our family? Oh no, you can't come through here because I'm going to call triple zero and the cops will be here in twenty five minutes if you're lucky. Well, they'll be gone in ten, or they might hang around, or they might get to us first, or they might get to you first before you've had a chance to make a phone call. In which case, they can spend all night, as we've seen by the home invasions where people are bound and tied up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Uh, this is the thing. These things are only going to get worse. So it's up to us now to put pressure on the government to turn around and say, no, we need to be able to use these things to defend our homes. We need to be able to use these things to protect us uh, for that one. So um, how we go about that, I've got no idea. Yes, anyway, hang on, I have a drink of water here. Uh, so what else is that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's um. Oh, there we go. Queensland, ten-hour standoff, uh, which is interesting because uh, government has died following a ten-hour-long standoff with police that forced an entire Queensland suburb into lockdown. Uh, shots were fired in the town of Kiwan near Townsville just before nine p.m. on Sunday. Uh, with locals forced to remain indoors through to Monday morning. 50-year-old man barricaded himself in his home with a shotgun and rifle and fired shots at police cars before shooting out the tyres of one of the vehicles. Police negotiators finally tried to defuse the situation before the gunman died and the standoff came to an end. Now, the article doesn't say... Uh, it is not known whether the shots were discharged by the gunman or police. Uh, this is due to uh, the exclusion zone being declared. Now... Why is it that negotiators can go to here, yet that other incident that happened in Queensland, there were no negotiators sent? So I think, you know, you draw whatever conclusions that you want, but I there's something that is not being told to us about the other Queensland incident. Um, so, yeah, it's... You know, and, and have a look at this one. Uh, it's in a severe, a very highly populated area, whereas the other one was out in a rural area uh, where they could have just hung around there and, and 
sat it out and waited them out instead of engaging it and um, until we know otherwise, executing three people. Now, let's you know, you're going to turn around and say, oh, but these people shot at police. Well, not disputing that, but who shot first? We don't know that. We never will. Uh, remember, the story changed all the time about what these people were. First of all, it was a welfare check. Then later on, oh, no, it was actually a warrant check, uh, a warrant arrest for a warrant on an um, unlicensed firearm charge. So they knew these people had firearms, yet they still sent four general duties coppers in there. Uh, then it became that they're uh, conspiracy theorists and sovereign citizens. Then it became, no, they were on ice. And then it became, oh, no, eventually it was, no, they were Christian pre-millennialists. Pre-millennialists? Is that what they call them? Anyway... Um, and that's why they did it. So, yeah, I, I still think that there's something fishy going on there. They're trying to uh, pick something that will allow them to continue with their uh, game plans that they have afoot. Uh, I still think that there's going to be something where there's going to be a, an incident with a sovereign citizen soon, uh, but they're just trying to use that to use their plants in the sovereign citizen movement uh, to get an idea of who people are uh, and, and everything like that. So be prepared, folks. And if you are one of the sovereign citizens, just, mate, bring your circle closer and tighter and do not trust anyone, you know, anyone that you can't vouch for 100% yourself um, because there is a setup coming um it's all yeah something's going on um but then it could also be that um lydia thorpe uh she quit parliament oh she sorry she quit the watermelons to become a black sovereign citizen um so you know whether it's just the distraction on that oh, i don't know it, I, I still think that there's something coming and as i've said to uh said in the past be careful of those who purport or who claim to be leaders of the sovereign citizen movement or who claim to be leaders uh, of an independent uh, movement or free citizens because they are likely to be plants as well um, because, yeah, it, it, I just think that, yeah, the government's done a lot of work. They've put a lot of homework in to, uh, you know, infiltrate these groups uh, and you... You know, you can't turn around and tell me that, hey, they're just going to let that go. Um, now, this reminds me. Um, uh, talking about... Um, uh, oh, hard work. Um, the, 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 um, uh, narrative for, uh, what was it? The January 6th, uh, insurrection is crumbling. Uh, we've seen, uh, footage all over the place. So, you know, it's showing that it was not an insurrection. Yes, it was a riot. No one's disputing that it's a riot. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, 
Anthony Albanese. Uh, when was this? January 7, 2021. Democracy is precious and cannot be taken for granted. The violent insurrection in Washington is an assault on the rule of law and democracy. Donald Trump has encouraged his response has encouraged this response and must now call on his supporters to stand down. Uh, so is Elba going to retract that statement now that evidence is coming out that it's an inside job? Um, I'm sure you've seen the footage where these people are actually orderly, uh, walking through various areas of the Capitol building and some are having police escorts um, and everything like that. And we know that despite what the narrative is saying, only one person was executed in that uh, during that protest, uh, and that was an Air Force veteran. And I think that uh, her name needs to be said. Uh, her need, name needs to be remembered uh, because it was an unacceptable execution uh, by the Capitol Police, considering that there were other police officers behind her, armed with rifles. And that, uh, you know, actually Babbitt's name, Babbitt's name needs to be remembered as a, uh, as a political execution. Uh, and that's what it was. Um, you can't tell me that what happened with that is justified, um, considering the officers behind her never, um, you know, weren't that concerned. Uh, yet all of a sudden someone, you know, pokes their, their arm out with a Glock and goes bang. Um, I've seen that footage and, yeah, it is it is freaking disgusting. Um, the other thing that we've seen or we, we already saw um, come out was the um, Albanese's tweet about uh, Paul Pelosi, his attack, saying it was politically motivated. We know that it wasn't. Um What did he write? Uh, there we go. Fragile democracy is under threat to Anthony Albanese. Anthony Albanese says the hammer attack on US Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, is a symptom of the increased polarization and extremism um, of political discourse across the West. Now, let's make it clear. We know, we've seen from the footage that it wasn't that. Um, whether it was, you know, there's a number of conspiracy theories out there as to what it was. Uh, I don't think that it is what uh, the media is saying it is. Um, so, but that's one of those other things that we will never get to the bottom of. Um, yeah, so... So there's just a whole lot that's going on that uh, needs to be we, – we need to wake up and realise that we're never going to be told the truth. Starting at the Wu flu, I mean, I'd even uh, go back and say it's been before then, which actually reminds me, uh, there was a tweet uh, put out by – got to find it. Just bear with me, I should have – Dug it up before I got onto here. Um, Crystal Mitchell. Um, she's uh, she's the ex police officer who um, went on the discernible podcast or video show uh, in uniform and then resigned. Um, 
So, it, you know, what was it? Talking about um, Victoria Police um, treated, you know, like they were nothing, uh, brings me to tears. It was wrong. It was unjustifiable. It was not policing. It was political authoritarianism. Now, I turned around and said Victoria Police started going downhill in the late 70s, early 80s. Sadly, it took the events of the past few years for us to all, all realise it. Um, I think it's the thing is that um, with the creation of CERT, uh, sorry, SOG, uh, CERT's Queensland, uh, that it was um, <coughs> uh, something that was not good. Um, you know, the, the, the creation of, of Special Operations Group changed the the nature of uh, policing Victoria. Um, I think it started long before that anyway. Um, and all that sort of stuff changed it and, and, you know, became related to terrorism and everything like that. Now, this is the thing about terrorism. Um, the minute that you create something to oppose terrorism, terrorism exists and terrorism has achieved its goal so the way to combat terrorism is to refuse to change your way of doing things um hang on let me just find the definition oh what does miriam webster say uh actually i should have clicked that one first Um, the systemic, systematic use of terror, especially as a means of coercion. So this is the thing, is that these, you know, something happened. Oh, no, we've got to create special operations group to fight terrorism, to be a counter-terrorist group. Well, they've coerced you into doing something. They've coerced you into not trusting citizens of Victoria. They've coerced you into... Uh, expending money on an elite, quote-unquote, elite unit, and we've seen by the protests over the last couple of years that these are not a fucking elite unit. Um, these are just thugs uh, in military gear uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the shit that they did um, through the city and even uh, in the lead-up to the Shrine protest and, and everything like that is just freaking disgraceful. They've just proven that they are not elite. They're just another gang. They are a legalised gang. Uh, so let's let's make it clear about that one. Uh, so, yeah, you know, let's have this unit. Um, and, and But then this is the other thing too is that these guys train all the time. Oh, they train all this and they train all that. Um, and they aren't able to, you know, use their skills and it's slightly paraphrasing um, the Jack Reacher movie with Tom Cruise uh, talking about the guy uh, in the first Tom Cruise one, Jack Reacher one, um, where he talks about the guy he's trained as a sniper for all this time, looked at Overwatch, Put all these rounds down, down range, uh, always shooting at a paper target. Never had the chance to engage with the enemy. So then, all of a sudden, he goes and finds, goes and hides in a um, 
car park and shoots the enemy, what he thinks is the enemy. It's just a couple of random people. Um, now, he wasn't tried and, and all that sort of stuff because the people that he shot had actually done a bad thing uh, previously, so it was just a big cover-up. Now, Soggies will be the same way. They train all this time to go and attack the bad guys. Now, it's not like the fireys where they train to put the wet stuff on the red stuff where they can go out and fight a fire. The Soggies are there. They've got all this pent-up energy. They've got all this adrenaline that, oh, there's, there's a call out and they need a way to discharge that adrenaline and all that energy. So what do they do? They profiled people and they went after people wearing high-vis. So you can't tell me that, hey, that's what an elite force does. Um, you, you have a look at it is that there's, you know, footage of um, people getting crash-tackled, people getting kneed in the head, people getting rifle barrels, the muzzle of the rifle jammed into them. Um, that's not a freaking elite elite force. That is just a group of thugs um, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it, it's the thing. The, the creation of Soggies was the downfall of Victoria Police and then even changing the the motto from Tenez le droit, uh, which was uh, French for uphold the right. Now they've just gone uphold the right in English. Uh, and this is the thing. What right are they upholding? Uh, we know that they're not there to uphold our rights as we've seen over the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. It's, um, yeah, hopefully more people wake up and um, we'll happily say I'm a uh, following Zeno uh, is um, utopian anarchist. What is it? Um, Sidium? Yeah, Zeno of Scythium. Uh, he was the um, Hellenistic philosopher from Scythium in Cyprus. He was the founder of the Stoic school of philosophy. Um, I think that his um, that way of teaching has a lot that can be useful for um, uh, society. Uh, Utopia. You know, utopian anarchist. Uh, oh, it doesn't say it. I'll dig it up. Oh, there you go. Zeno was the first utopian anarchist of the West and thus an important precursor of the anarchism that we note today. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this is what we need to focus on. Um uh, In the Crooked Timber, it describes Zeno's beliefs as men are rational, they do not need control. Rational beings have no need of a state or of money or of law courts or of any organized institutional life. In the perfect society, men and women shall wear identical clothes and feed on a common pasture. Um, so that's the thing, is that as soon as you start creating things different and every and ways of controlling us, then people are going to push back, people are going to differ and differ view it. Um, we need to become back to the rational beings that we are uh, for that one. So that's my thoughts. Um, you know, I'm a rational person. I don't need the threat of violence from the state to get me to behave. I will behave. Um, there was that quote from Doctor Who. Uh, Madam. 
Adam Kavorkian? Uh, Kavarian. Uh, Here we go. Uh, what's this one? Uh, this was in A Good Man Goes to War. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, I can't find it. Hang on, I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. Madame Vestra. That was an interesting um, episode. Um, I'll find it. Come and run when a good man's. Ah, there we go. Madam Kavarin. The anger of a good man is not a problem. Good men have too many rules. The doctor turns around and says, Good men. Don't need rules. Today is not the day to find out why I have so many. Um, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it, it's the thing. I think that we need to follow that more and become good people. Anyway, that's off on a bit of a, of a tangent there. Uh, now, speaking of good people, I thought I would uh, share something with you. I'm in the process of uh, creating a Masonic podcast uh, more to help those who are in the craft already as well as uh you know let other people know the benefits of it um and and how it can help people uh and all that sort of stuff so i'm hoping that'll come out in the next couple of weeks uh time permitting and everything like that so um you know if you're interested in freemasonry and all that sort of stuff feel free to reach out and um i'll see what i can do um, and if you are uh, Freemason listening to this, reach out to me. I'm in uh, Victoria. Um, love to come and visit your lodge, or I'd love to have you come and visit mine, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And and we'll build Freemasonry up again and make it something that that uh, people value and want to become part of, uh, and all that sort of stuff. So you know, it, anyway, I'll, I'll continue all the rest in, in the, the specific Masonic podcast. But I just thought I'd uh, let you know that one. Uh, for that so anyway uh, I've got some guests coming up uh, this week time permitting uh, and everything like that so yeah we'll just have to see how time goes uh, with with getting people scheduled uh, and all that sort of stuff but I'm getting back to regular programming and I've said that before and things have gone pear-shaped uh, my calendar in the afternoons and evenings has cleared up a bit more where I am able to uh, dedicate more time to it uh, and this submission to the VCAT uh, will be lodged later in this week, so then that will free up more time uh, where I can uh, dedicate to uh, providing things for this podcast. So anyway, folks, uh, thanks for listening, and I look forward to having you join me on the next one um, and all that sort of stuff whenever that may be. So um, until then, uh, thanks for listening, and bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. 
and we'll keep holding those in power in check.